Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So this is a little bonus discussion, I guess, for the Patreon. Uh, Some of you have asked me to discuss some of the older albums, how they came about, the writing process, the recording process, this kind of thing. A little insight into where we were at that time in life. So I'm not going to do them in order. I'm going to start with... Spirit the Earth of Flame, seeing as it's 20 years old this year. Uh, I have the CD in front of me here, so I'm going to go through it. And let's see what memories it jogs. Well, first things first is that we, we'd we been on two labels before that with Imrama and um, Journey's End. Cacophonous and Misanthropy and we started off our third album on our third label which looking back looks kind of crazy because you don't normally hop around labels that often and very much a label who knows you might disappear or leave isn't going to put the best amount of promotion into the album that they get to release etc but for whatever reason we were young and naive and it just sort of worked out that way but We'd taken years between Imrama and Journey's End, or at least what seemed like years. In reality, it was three or four, the same as we do now. But um, it seemed like a long time, three years maybe. Uh, But we'd made the EP, The Burning Season, in 99, and that had sort of kick-started a new level of energy between us. It kind of, we went into a period of like, quite a strong songwriting period, you know? We were getting we were maturing we were getting this sort of epic touch the songs were coming more easy to us we'd found our feet more found our style found what we wanted to say a little bit easier um i mean first things first spirit of the flame the original version looks terrible um it was not what we intended i mean it was hammerheart records in holland um at the time you know it was really going places but i mean the aesthetics of those old CDs it was clear that we put our faith in somebody in the art department there who didn't really know what they were doing the Ouroboros it's pretty cool it was done by Simon who played the bass for Destroyer 666 way back then he used to live in my house in Dublin 
Um, <clears throat> it was just a doodly did, and I wanted it to look like the cover of a leather-bound book. Um, but of course, it didn't quite look exactly like that on the CD booklet that I'm looking at. You know, it's it's amateurish enough, but it was 2000. We weren't still not exactly sure of all of the aesthetics we were going for. We knew what we were reaching for, but we're still young and a little bit naive in what we could ask for, you know. However, there was a huge step up in the in the sound on this album. It's a big sounding record. I mean, we'd gone to Academy Studios in Yorkshire to Mags to mix Simrama and then to record Journey's End there. And Mags, Mags is a very interesting and influential character in the development of Primordial. And I imagine many bands of that ilk who are, he, he was like a sort of a, like a, a man with wisdom beyond his years, an incredibly gregarious, influential, um, just a really g good person who was very influential over our way of looking at music about instilling calm within us of sort of tempering our more energetic and crazy off the cuff ideas about trying to make us see the bigger picture um, he really had a big hand in those early primordial records you know sort of tempering our um, desire for um, youthful exuberance you know and so the album was recorded in a, a studio um, called Sun Studios in Dublin which was a really cool kind of basement uh, feeling to it um, analog old analog studio we were still recording with machine reel back then um, I mean now a two inch reel is, goes for something like 1200 or 1500 euro each reel so we would have needed a reel for every song because the songs are too long and you couldn't fit two on a 12 minute reel so as I remember the first song that we wrote for the record was indeed Gods to the Godless. I think I'd stolen the song title from the back of an old Samael t-shirt or something. And they'd stolen it, I think, from Alistair Crowley or something. And <clears throat> I think the lyrical tone was quite influenced by what I'd seen in the Balkan wars during the early 90s, as in we were supposedly in a time of prosperity in Europe with this kind of emergent middle class. And yet there on the doorstep of Europe was this incredibly tyrannical, bloody um, conflagration, confrontation between two uh, religious sides who'd lived in relative peace, you know. And uh, the idea really was just about enforcing tragedy historically as just the norm. Some nations just seem to go through endless tragedies and that was kind of what I was playing on you know and we recorded it mostly live I don't remember ever using a click track on any primordial records you know um, the tones are pretty clean and um, you know I wasn't we weren't getting into distorted bass and stuff yet um, and I think it has a very rich sort of sonorous feel to the record you know um, vocally I mean things I wouldn't do now but I think I was finding my feet finding my range you know um, there's some really deft songwriting touches, I think, especially on Soul Must Sleep, for example. This is um, this became a really kind of like um, favorite song of ours. I'm I'm one we're planning to bring back to the live setting. Um, it became kind of synonymous for all our Dutch friends when a very beloved friend of theirs uh, died in a car crash, and this song was played at her funeral, and so it took on this very 
serious and righteous meaning within that scene. And we had that, that was the scene where we had some of our first ever real close friends, 98, 99, 2000, when we used to go and visit Hamart and go to the same parties. And um, oddly enough, yeah, it was like Holland and Belgium were the first places we really played in 98 to 2000. Um, not really Germany quite as yet. And so we have still, and we still do have a lot of very old, old Dutchies, old Dutch friends. And so this songs ended up becoming something quite meaningful for them, you know. I mean, uh, part of it, it's inspired by Jean-Paul Sartre, by nausea, you know, you get the quote in the beginning, um, I've had women, I've fought with men, I can never turn back any more than a record can spin in reverse. I was going through some sort of, I guess what, you know, 20, early 20-something um, existential know-it-all phase where, you know, kind of slightly world-weary from my young years and uh, but I still I still like the the lyrics the tone the feeling you know um, and I still think it's one of the best songs that we've written actually it would be definitely somewhere in around a top 20 if we had a of all the band songs and we have quite a lot of songs by now you know uh, Burning Season appeared on the EP before of the same name. It's a bit more of a blunt, simple kind of riff. We actually recorded a D-beat version of it kind of in rehearsal, just kind of jokingly once, which sounded fucking great. I wish we could release that. You know, bring the women, children for me. Dun, 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 dun. Sounds pretty cool, actually. Uh, maybe we can have like an alternate D-beat version of loads of the songs. Um... The lyrics were just like a kind of um, I'd written a couple of years before. In fact, the lyrics, I think, go back to 1994, 95. They're kind of Lovecraftian dreams of um, shores of bone and oceans of blood, you know, lapping against them and some sort of ghoulish characters, you know. I mean, the intent was to write some really brutal lyrics, you know, bring the women and children before me. Again, I think I was trying to write these trying to move away from some of the Celtic, more shamanistic, almost religious tones on some of the albums before, or spiritual tones, and write these kind of like rather nasty kind of um, almost militaristic lyrics, kind of like rejoicing in um, cruelty, you know? I guess this was the black metal idiom of the time, you know? Um... Glorious Dawn is an interesting song. It was an attempt, I think, to make something a little bit more brutal. The opening riff reminds me a bit of like Samael or Rotting Christ or something a little bit. It's a, it's, a, it's more of an old, early 90s black metal song um, with, again, death metal vocals, which are something I never really did very much. It was never really my thing, brutal vocals. But I, I think they're pretty good here. I kind of like them, you know. The song itself is missing something. To go back and play it now, the opening part is great and then it kind of once it hits the the blast beat it kind of sort of seems to meander off and tail off the last riff is cool um, we always had terrible problems trying to record the blast beat because we weren't using a trigger and we were using a click and um, I always thought the blast should be da 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 you know led by the snare Kieran thought it was led by the bass drum which is like if you think of the difference of um, I don't know Satyricon or Beherit, you know, drawing down the moon, this tug, 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 bass drum. Um, so we argued about that a lot. 
but it's still not a bad song. I still quite like it. It's missing something. I like the lead at the end. I think it's really great movement, you know. Um, Cruel Sea was something Kieran did. Um, just an instrumental, you know. Uh, still pretty cool, pretty nice, pretty um, visual. And, and it always has a nice flourish to the album to have a couple of odd songs, like the intro, the Spirit Theory at the Flame intro, which starts with the same drum beat, which echoes the drum beat at the end of... Um, Journey's End, this Ashtar Dernock song. Um, it's a it's a kind of callback, you know, to the intro, outro, the back to back thing. Um, if anybody ever noticed that. Children of the Harvest is one of the few songs I ever wrote about which Irish mythology, about uh, specifically about Celtic mythology in the sense of referencing the Children of Lear, which was a mythological tale of um three I think three siblings turned to swans who had to who had to endure 300 years in a row 900 years of isolation on three different lakes where they were allowed to turn home and then they came home to find their kingdom you know their parents were long since dead and their kingdom had changed and been ruined um, beyond repair and I sort of used it as a metaphor for um, hundreds of years of migration of Irish people and how it must feel to return back for having migrated through generations and it's a sort of song about how Irish people moved and populated the world and the sort of I guess in South America or Portuguese you call it saudade which is like a sort of soul sadness I guess there's a kind of an equivalent of that in Irish people but a bit full of rage which is and whiskey and um, you know the kind of thoughts of the old country so it's kind of wanted to I wanted to put that I think it's a great it's a great song and the intro is great the, the kind of verses and choruses are, are are pretty cool and the ending is very epic but it, for somehow it misses maybe a little break in the middle of it um, I, and I kind of wish I'd done the vocals maybe a bit more powerful a bit more layered have a few ah oh, oh, whatever you know a few harmonies in it a little bit more complicated because we were starting to play with doing vocal harmonies and I was trying to begin to understand the different different tonalities between the voice and you can hear you get the death metal in Glorious Dawn and, and you know Children Harvest is a bit more relaxed tone so Sleep is a very laid back tone I mean when I sing Gods to Godless now I sing it much more aggressively than on the record but you know that's kind of to be expected Gods to Godless became like a signature song and it's one of, still one of my very favourite songs that we did you know Twenty Pagan isn't live obviously but we stole the crowd from some power metal live record that I was listening to might have been Stradivarius or something I don't remember we stole it anyway but Mags heard it and went that's that we need a crowd because the, the you know the we have a down thing is um, that is real that's from a gig in Cork and then we just put so Twenty Pagan was the first song on our demo from 93 and initially we didn't want it on the record but Hammerheart kind of said oh you know this is kind of like a a little bit of an anthem it's got to be on there I mean realistically it shouldn't be down as a bonus song it should be on the record but you know we were being cantankerous and young and sticking to our guns and no that's not going on the record it doesn't fit and of course it kind of does fit you know it's a, it's, it's a simple song that's kind of written with I guess Bathory Bloodfire Deathy kind of vibes in mind and here it's kind of opened out and a bit bigger um yeah, it's 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 a it's a a cool kind of pagan black metal song. I guess we started to put it together at the end of '92, you know. So on the CD here now, I have it has the bonus tracks among the Lazari and Let the Sunset and Life Forever, which are from the Burning Season EP. They all have very similar sound because they recorded the same studio. 
I'm pretty sure even with the same drums and same amps and stuff. And they to the burning season is one of the best sounds actually we ever had on a record. I mean, those four songs, Let Sunset and Life Ever sounds great. It's a reworked version of the song from Imrama with an extended intro, um, like we would play now, you know, m m taking a long time to move through the riffs, you know. <clears throat> um, I sound kind of like I've been singing, actually. My voice is a bit done in, just got cold in, uh, in Dublin all of a sudden. So, yeah, Among the Lazarai is more of a kind of old school black metal song. Um, lyrics written in 91, 92, sort of anti Christian, anti religious stuff. The Lazarai were like Lazarus among the. It's kind of like some sort of me trying to be blasphemous. Saying, um, you know, if you're not among those risen against, you know, into, into this other form of arcane spirituality that black metal represented, then, you know, you're not sort of worthy, worthy of, I don't know, what probably living, I imagine. And also it has this, oh, intuitive silence where once my tomb or kind of um, very overdramatic voice, uh, which I'll hear now and I think to myself, ah, you know, the... The impetuosity of youth trying to do your best, um, you know, sort of 1950s Pathé newsreel voice, you know, or whatever it was. It's part vampire, part um, Pathé news, you know. But um, overall, to me, it's a better album than the one that came after Storm Before Cam, which was beset by lots of other problems, which I'll talk about again. But th it's a it's a big rich epic epic kind of record and for me it's very important because it announced to the scene to the world i guess you know like oh here's a band you got to take seriously here's a band now that has a canon of music that's to be respected it was epic it was a bit nasty here and there in places but it had this rich sonorous irish tragic melancholic tone and um it's hard to believe it's 20 years ago but yeah it is 20 years ago um, the reissues look so much nicer than the original CDs, but you know I can't fault the master and the mix. It was really done very well, and it was done in a simple way that maybe we could have done with something of those na nature with Gathering Wilderness or that kind of stuff, you know. Um, but it's a it's a consistent record. It's um, and it does stand in my top couple of records that we made, you know. That's really it. Twenty years. Um, I'd like to add a few odd songs from it into this set list that's theoretically going to come if we ever manage to get there. But um, yeah, so that's it. That's just a little bonus chat about an album for all the Patreons. Hope you enjoy it. Keep throwing at me ideas you want me to talk about. I'll put stuff up there. No problem. I'm still feeling my way around the concept of what it means um, morally or whatever, and when maybe no morally is not correct. I think if if people get something they feel is rewarding from from the page, then it's nobody else's business. So to speak, there you go. A little look at spirit, the earth aflame. Next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 